and welcome to the Express Results Bulletin for episode nine. We had a mixed response to this week from our voters. David said, worst week so far. No, David, that was episode five. Zig and Zag week (laughs) was worst so far by a mile. That was the next episode we're about to record, David. Warning you now, episode 10 is not a golden selection. Don't go away. On the other hand, Malcolm the Break Doctor says, I have to say this episode was the most fascinating so far, especially the vegetable top 40. Well done, Nick. Your efforts were appreciated. Thank you very much. You wait till I see what I've got for you this week. On to the results. Two tracks were neck and neck for last position until the final day of voting. It was that close. But in the end, your most bad and hated track, earning minus one points for the two thousands, was World of Our Own by Westlife. Nick is looking despairing. These comments are generally favourable to Westlife in mitigation. So Mum Ubel says... Westlife get the number two spot because it was the one I kept singing after listening. Although I was going out with a girl at the time who was a massive Westlife fan and I may have a touch of Stockholm syndrome. They won't deserve all the kicking they'll get just for being Westlife, though. Alex says this is basically the generic music they play over the footage of two reality TV contestants hugging each other. The judges having announced that both of them are going through to the next round. But it's catchy and fun, and I can't find it in myself to wish it ill. Another reluctant meh. I don't even watch reality TV, but I could picture what he was describing there. Totally. I'm pretty sure Westlife had an album called Reluctant Meh at one point in the later years. In my days of being on Twitter, I once watched one of the Judges' Houses episodes of X Factor purely in order to record with my phone the amount of time in the hour-long episodes where the contestants were crying. Ten minutes out of 60, the contestants were crying. Emotional pornography. I digress. James, Centuries of Sound, says, going back to my mild admonishment from the last results bulletin, OK, I listened to the entire song. I will admit that it isn't quite as bad as their interminable ballads, but still, there is no apparent value in this song existing. Put it in the bin with the rest of their catalogue. Now, I liked it last time, Nick, when you said, this is why you need me on the podcast, and then you fessed up to owning three Westlife albums, because yes, Nick, this is exactly why we need you on this podcast. It's what makes us different from all the other podcasts respect it's really sad that people can't see the faces as these these are getting read out because i didn't particularly agree with centuries of sound comment there but i thoroughly enjoyed watching nick react to it (laughs) i knew this would get battered i just absolutely knew it would come last and i just think that's a shame a sad lot of the westlife fan Mm. prosperity may yet be kind it took Stock Aitken Waterman, decades to be seen as acceptable. Could still happen for Louis Walsh's boys. Right, scraping into the meth zone, we have The Lion Sleeps Tonight by Type Fit from the 1980s, and that's joined a few points ahead by Son of My Father, Chicory Tip, for the 1970s. At this stage, I should point out that none of our voters scored any of those bottom three songs in first place. So that means that top three songs, when we do get to them, they've all easily earned their positions. So comments for type fit. Malcolm says, lots of fond memories of loving this when it came out. Still does it for me. Alex says, 
The beauty of the Witch Decade format is that I am seriously sitting here mulling over, hmm, is tight fit better than Elvis Presley? <laughs> Silly, fun pop music of its time. While David said, even Brian Eno's version of this song doesn't do much for me. Catchy, but I don't like the song much. Trev, you were talking last time about the, an effect that you spotted on the tight fit track, which DJs now have, where it's like you're playing two tracks at the same time, fractionally out of phase. I thought afterwards, I know that effect as phasing. I thought everybody called it phasing. I thought it was there on the Chicory Tip track, actually. And it does go back quite a long way because the earliest thing I can think of that's got phasing on it is from 1967. It's the Small Faces, Ichiku Park. I remember last time you couldn't think of the word. I was going with transposing and that's definitely not the right one. You get phaser effects on the um, filters. And so, yeah, I can well believe you're right there. Moving on to the higher reaches of the Met Zone, we have Chicory Tip, son of my father from the 1970s. Malcolm said, I knew it without realising it. Proper pop tune. Love the background to the lyrics and the Moog playing. Agree the Maroda version is better, though. David said, irritated me at the time, hasn't improved with age. While Asta says, oh, look, they anticipated MIDI video game soundtracks. I want to retract a bit, actually, because last time I found myself agreeing with you, Trev, that this sounded a bit shonky production-wise. I, I want to retract that before we move on, because normally I listen to these things on not the most sophisticated hi-fi setup. I then heard Son of My Father on the excellent sound system in my partner's car and that's when it struck me i i think it's actually really well produced and considering it was like a christmas eve rush job that is all the more impressive a feat i love that you listen to chicory tip in the car it was a long journey driving round and round the uh, boy racer circuit in nairsborough pumping out chicory tip that is what nairsborough's like yeah you go to the coast and it's all happy hardcore you go down south they're driving around and it's like deep baseline and grime and drill go on nairsborough the boys are driving around with chicory tip round, windows round down, shouting at people. In his Fiat Cinquecento. Don't brand me like a plastic vac. <laughs> it's an Audi hybrid, I'll have you know. And we were on our way to Hebden Bridge. <laughs> right, into the top three. Looking at second and third places in the top three. Well, two tracks earned exactly the same score numerically. So I had to invoke... The tie-break rule, I looked at how many voters preferred one track over the other. That means dropping into third place, earning one point for the 1990s, we have Stay by Shakespeare's Sister. James says, Shakespeare's Sister, rather than Brother Beyond or Holly Johnson, were the first act I became obsessed by at the age of 12, and I can't be disloyal now. Saw this on top of the pops, got the LP on tape, listened to it solidly for about a year. Sure, I would prefer to be voting for I Don't Care or Goodbye Cruel World, but I'm still not bored with Stay after hundreds of listens. I'm not surprised it doesn't get played on the radio. It's just too odd, and odd is good. The brief instrumental break at three minutes and 35 seconds in particular is just one of my favourite bits of music. While Joris says... Seeing and hearing stay multiple Fridays in a row on the top of the pops repeats fairly recently. It was apparently number one for months. Hasn't made it a less great song. And Alex says a strong week with no horrible duds. But unlike the gotcha, this seems very contrived in its quirkiness. So gets my last place vote. I like that. Odd is good. I think that's something we all need to remember. Odd is always good. 
is odd always well, good? I was just about to say, Zig and Zag are quite odd. I'm more thinking of, you know, an artist who I like doing stuff to be odd. Lady Gaga's meat suit. Is odd always good? Or actually sometimes is it? Nah. I, I am naturally predisposed towards the odd. Right. Easing into second place and earning two points for the 1960s, we have Elvis Presley can't help falling in love. That is kind of weird that Elvis Presley won the tiebreak on preferences because actually Shakespeare's sister got several first place votes. Elvis only earned one first place vote. But the problem with Shakespeare's sister is it picked up quite a lot of bad and hated while the general approval for Elvis was a lot more consistent, that's what eased him into second place. I, th- I think that's a good example of where odd isn't good then, because odd's more likely to get you disliked, whilst at the same time, is it likely to get you liked as well? And that's the nature of pop music, isn't it? You're walking a tightrope if you're odd, I guess. Right, David has not had an awful lot positive things to say about any of these selections, but... He does say something nice about Elvis. He says, I've seen Bruce Springsteen and Andy Williams perform Can't Help Falling in Love, which is a great song. The original Elvis single was one of the first singles I owned, a 10p purchase, as I recall, and I still like it. So he gets number one. Asta says, doesn't thrill me, but I started thinking of it as a lullaby and likes it more. Malcolm says, love the song but Elvis's delivery is a bit slow for me. I was at the same concert as David. I also saw Andy Williams perform Can't Help Falling In Love. It was his last ever overseas show before retiring back to the USA. And he only announced that at the end of the concert. So it was quite a moment. Love what Asta says about thinking of it as a lullaby and changing her opinion on it. That's that's an interesting comment. Can't help falling to sleep. (laughs) On to our winner. This was way out in front. It actually earned three times as many points as both Elvis Presley and Shakespeare's sister. Gotcha. Bringing it home for the 2010s with somebody that I used to know. Craig says, a textbook example of how to communicate emotion in a song. I'm also swayed by the awesome video. Tim says, this genuinely sounded like a very different style of music that could have caught on. Spoiler alert. It didn't. James says, yes, of course, this is great. So rare to hear such accomplished storytelling in a pop song. My only complaint is that instead of the slow burn continuing, he lurches into that sting thing in the chorus. I prefer more restraint, but without that, it may not have been a hit. So what do I know? I think we can all say we're delighted that Gotche brought it home this time round. Absolutely. The reason that the music style didn't catch on because he didn't replicate it at any other point on that album Mm. he just did that one thing and didn't try and do it again yeah it's not like trance dj makes a hit and then goes back and makes the same song just with slightly different words got yeah he didn't do that did he he went no that'll do me that's my retirement off i go doing other crazy weird stuff which i think in the spirit of odd is good i think that's a an excellent move. It is a shame. I mean, I think he was trying to be a musical chameleon stylistically for valid artistic reasons. Now, that worked for David Bowie decades earlier, but maybe the the nature of modern pop is people get confused if you try and mix it up too much. You could picture, though, in five years' time or in a year's time, oh, that guy's got another song coming out, something that is more catchy or whatever than some of his other output, and you'd be ready for it. You wouldn't be like, oh, 
here he comes again because you can't be sick of him. You might have heard that song to death, but you can't be sick of him because you've only really heard one song. Oh, Gotche's got a new single out. Gotche, that's somebody that I used to know. Oh, God, this new Gotche single. It's a bit Gotche by numbers, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody will ever say that. Where's Kimbra? Yeah, where is Kimbra? Kimbra would be the one to get on your trance record. Where do I know that voice from? She was the girl in the Gotye song. Straight away, people are talking about it. There you go. Kimbra's got to be on a few EDM tracks out there, but let's not talk about EDM just yet. There'll be plenty of time for that later. I got a bit carried away with the gotcha. I loved it so much. I thought, well, my crowd at my Friday night residency, they'll love it too. So I slapped a loop of some beats underneath the quiet bits, made my own kind of re-edit. I played it out. Yeah, didn't work. Not doing that again. Gotcha is one where if you nail it, it's massive. But I've played it a few times and you're just like, oh, bit too soon, bit too late. It's precision bombing. Yeah. Yeah, this was late. This was kind of peak time. Very bad move. Let's feed the results into the master scoreboard. Dropping one place from fifth to sixth. We have the 2000s on two points. Thing is, with the 2000s, they still are the only decade not to have had a winner thus far. So Westlife have done them some serious damage this time. That means that going up one place from last to fifth, the first time ever, the 2010s now have three whole points. And that, of course, is down to Gotye. That's the second winner for the 2010s after Taylor Swift's blank space. Holding steady at number four, but narrowing the gap between them and the top three to just two points, the 1990s. Now, if you remember last time, we had a three-way tie for first position. That three-way tie has now been broken, but we still have a two-way tie for second position. So in joint second position, 10 points each, the 70s and the 80s, no change for either decade because they were both in the Met zone this time, so they've remained static. That means that the 1960s have jumped ahead by two points to number one, just as they have been almost all the way through, apart from last time when they were joint first. So well done, Elvis Presley, for restoring the power of the 1960s. And that, I think, is a wrap For our Express Results Bulletin, we will be back with episode 10 in a couple of days' time. See you then. Bye-bye.